the bare naked ladies there. One week, our Tamworth's number one, 92.9, quarter past seven. JB here this morning. Thanks, team, at Country Auto's quality used cars on Gunnigan Road. Well done, Trish, the winner of our brain start this morning. Well done, and Trish, a visitor to our town as well from Rockhampton, from Rock and Roll Rockhampton. Love that. She's down here for the week. Love Rocky. There's beef everywhere. There's balls all through Rocky. They got model balls everywhere. Plastic balls. They're a tourist thing in the 90s. They got like 30 of them around the place. And we had one on our roof of the radio station. And it was a blue ball. And you ready for it? So, so back in the day, the slogan for the radio station was an unbelievable variety of music. That was a slogan for oh, it. Oh, no. So they had an unbeliever ball. Oh. Variety of music written on the ball. It was so good. It was awesome. And then one day in a storm, I'm in my office and bang! Don't tell me it fell off the roof. <clears throat> yeah, it fell off the roof. Oh, really? Yeah, it fell off the did roof in a storm. Put, did it ever get put back up? No, I don't think so. I think we might have. I think we used it in a street parade one day once it fell off the roof. We. Um, we whacked it in the back of the ute and drove down the street with it for a Christmas parade. And, because, um, you know, that yells yeah, Christmas. Might have put a sand hat on it or yeah, something yeah. if I was lucky enough. And then I think we, I think when the radio station got rebadged, because it got a new name, I think they gave away the ball on as like a, a giveaway. You oh. could win the ball. That's cool. As a talking feature. Mm. So when people come around mm. for a party or something like that, you can go, yeah, the ball over there with the unbelievable variety is pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, won that. Won that from the lads at the radio <laughs> station. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, right. Lame party, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'd want to win it. <laughs> yeah, but that's because you've got a connection to the place. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 that's right. Exactly. I feel like um, heaps of businesses used to have things on their roofs. Hey, yeah, there used to be one in Brisbane. It was the big boot, but it was just, I don't know what it was, <laughs> but there was this boot on a roof, and I can't, I think it was a car dealership. Like, I don't even know what the boot had <laughs> in reference. Anyway, um, it got so, not they damaged, but it got so, like, wear and, it got yeah. wear and tear. Yeah, sun damage Yeah, that you needed to, like, put so much money into restoring it that they just got rid of it and they've moved it somewhere else in Brisbane. But I, I can't remember where. Hopefully to a shoe store, you'd hope. I don't. And then I, the car dealership would have car on the like roof. it's abandoned somewhere. Yeah, I think, okay. Yeah, yeah right. Wasn't there um, Stefan, the hairdresser, mm -hmm. that we've spoken about plenty of times before, who's got the rainbow? Didn't, yeah. I think he bought the needle from Expo 88. Really? In Brisbane. Yeah, the, the needle that yeah, they had at yeah, the Expo. Yeah. I think he bought that and put a giant rainbow at the top of it. I'm oh, pretty sure. Okay, yeah, it's in his yard. That. Oh, really? Yeah, something like that. And then I think... Um, this has given me massive Queensland flashbacks. I think it was when I was up in Rockhampton, there was a big story. The aviation guys asked him to remove it because of the fly pass. Yeah. So, Didn't yeah. Didn't think about that, but so. weird. I've never heard about the rainbow story. There's the car dealership down in Taree that's got the big oyster. What is it with car dealerships yeah, putting just, random yeah. things on their roofs? Roofs, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Anyway, Trish, well done <laughs> on winning the JJ's Pizza. The uh, I better give you the bloody answer yes. after all of that, <laughs> hadn't I? Um, just, you know, just reminiscing. Um, this is the number one thing family members text each other about, and it is, what's for dinner? Wow, I've actually never texted my mum that. Oh, really? No, no. no? 
No. Once, once you get a partner, you will. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I do it all the time. Like, if you just sc- scroll through <laughs> the messages between me and Case, that's all they are. Like, if they ever, for whatever reason, had to go, like, get published or something like that, mm. it would be the boringest transcript. <laughs> it's just, hey, I'm out for my walk. Need me to get dinner on the way home. Yes. What do you want? Work it out yourself. Yeah, I might just cool. stay single. Yeah. Thanks, JB. It's exciting life. <laughs> Worth local and riding for sick kids. 723, one of the biggest mysteries of the last, uh, you know, decade and a half, I guess. Uh, the artist Banksy might have to reveal who he is in the court of law. This is, great. This is like unmasking Batman. Mm. You know, this is crazy. So he's being sued for $2.6 million after allegedly urging shoppers to target the high street fashion store Guess and shoplift. What? He posted on Instagram to his 12 million followers, alerting all shoplifters, please go to Guess on Regent Street. They've helped themselves to my art without asking. How can it be wrong to do the same to their (gasps) clothes? So a guy, the guy who sells the trademarks of Banksy's artwork to retailers is now suing Banksy. This is where it gets messy. He's suing Banksy for basically saying, you want people to steal my product because of potential loss of revenue for him. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So it's like if you make, if you drew art... So if you drew a fish mm. and I got your f- trademark of the fish and I sold it to Prada mm. and then you went go and steal stuff from Prada, I sue Basically you. Basically saying yeah. you can steal, you can steal yeah. my original fish that's now been trademarked by this other person. Yeah, sounds like this guy's double dipping a bit. Yeah, uh, look, I'm, I I don't know, I, I don't know. I, I'm no lawyer. I don't know whether this is going to stack up all that well. But <laughs> good, good try on trying to make Banksy have to show up in court. I yeah. don't know whether he even has to. He can, you can, can't you get the lawyers will, to go on, yeah. on your behalf thing? This will be like thing? one of the biggest, like, solved mysteries if he does have to show his face, yeah. though, in like recent history. Yeah. Ooh. You wonder if it's like <laughs> just a pixelated face man yeah. that will show up and it will have yeah. the. Yes, I am here. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they put the, the muffle thing on there to okay. mask the identity. Yeah, right. Uh, it's alleged that Banksy's Bristol-born artist Robin Gunningham, mm. with a name like that, no wonder he calls himself Banksy. Um, do you know the show Art Attack? No. Do you remember that show? It was a no. big show in the 90s, Art Attack. This guy used to just make art out of like cool stuff like rocks and mm. pebbles and bits of glue. Neil Backen was the guy who hosted that. He denied he was Banksy following an online conspiracy theory saying that he was Banksy. <laughs> So he's he's come out. He's the most non-Banksy looking fella. This guy as well from Art Attack. He came out and said no. They reckon maybe the band Gorillas, the artist, and uh, one of their band members, Jamie Hewlett, could potentially be Banksy as really? well. Yeah. And uh, one of the guys mm. from the uh, Bristol band Massive Attack, they reckon might be Banksy as well. So there's a lot of you know, a lot of suspects. Yeah, yeah. I mean, being. Being told that you're Banksy, I mean, it's not the worst conspiracy nah. to be involved in, is it? No, not at all. Nah. No. See, my artwork, I could be Banksy as well if Banksy drew horrendous, appalling stick figures. Mm, yeah. So, you know, but... Mm. 
Or really scary looking horses that don't look like horses. <laughs> yes. That as well. That as so well. we'll keep an eye on this, see what happens. I, I honestly, again, I'm no lawyer, but I can't see this stacking up nah. at all. But hey, we'll keep an eye on it, see what happens. Thanks, Lena. Thank you. Lena, our resident art correspondent here at the radio station. <laughs> Love that. This is Ed Sheeran, Luke Combs. Life goes on at 92.9. Hey, coffee with someone. Chatting about what's going on locally, nationally or internationally. Or something a little different. It's the McCafe Coffee Break. Mark Booth from Time Technology, the Chief Technology Officer, joins me for a chat this morning. How are you, Mark? Good, thanks, JB. Thanks for having me. No, my absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for coming in. You guys have teamed up with the Tamworth Business Chamber and the New South Wales Government for this Your Data and You seminar. It's on next Thursday. People can come along and sort of learn about, uh, you know, keeping their data safe and secure and a little bit about cybercrime. Cybercrime's one of those terms we sort of hear often. Can you sort of clarify what type of threats are most common these days with it? Yeah, definitely. It is a term that gets bandied about and there's a lot of different niche jargony terms within the umbrella of cybercrime. Yeah. The most common ones that we usually would see would be things like phishing uh, with a PH. So that's essentially email that's designed to try and trick you into doing something you wouldn't normally do. Give out your logins, give someone money, buy them gift cards for Apple, uh, any sort of those things like that, that is out of the norm. That's the most common, generally due to sort of the low cost of being able to send out millions of millions of mass emails at once electronically. Yeah. So that would be why it's the most common. However, there's, I guess, the more insidious and more destructive attacks are far less common but the financial impact they can cause can be far more, such as uh, the ransomware attacks that large corporations seem to be getting hit with, like at MGM over in the States. Uh, the data breaches are getting fairly common these days. Uh, well, maybe not so common. However, the actual scope of how many people they can impact mm. can extend into the millions, as we've seen now with uh, Dimmix and I believe Pizza Hut getting a data breach within the last sort of month in Australia. The amount of people, Australians, that it's affected is easily into the hundreds of thousands. Yeah, that's it, exactly. I mean, that's kind of the um, the risks for the individuals and the big businesses, mm -hmm. uh, which is why, you know, th this seminar and what's being discussed there is, is so important because, I mean, the risk can be quite high for individuals and sort of even small businesses as well. Yeah, absolutely. And the risks are not purely financial. They can extend to some other areas. So as a, as a business, you're responsible for keeping the data that you hold on people secure yeah the australian government mandates that you must keep it secure you must take reasonable steps to protect it if you don't and if you've been victim of a breach you can be uh fined by yeah. the australian government for that and if you don't take remediation actions you don't inform the people they can grow larger especially if there's repeated uh, attacks that have taken that data so obviously that's a big one the legal compliance aspect is is one to definitely take note of as a business uh, as an individual You've obviously got to keep your data safe for yourself. You don't want someone else getting into your bank accounts. You don't want someone then emailing all of your friends and contacts as you and using that to get into their bank accounts because that'll come back to you. There's obviously a, a broad range of risks to be aware of in the, the cybersecurity space and I guess what to do if you get attacked, what is the potential impact and how you can cover yourself off from every angle. Do you find there's a little bit of um, negligence in this where people think when it comes to cybersecurity, it's, uh, you know, it's it's really techy. 
it's jargony, it's too hard, so I whack it in the too hard basket when it's actually fairly common sense stuff and actually relatively sort of easy to protect yourself. Yeah, there's definitely a bit of, oh, it won't happen to me going yeah. on, I think, that where people assume it's like a, a lightning strikes or the the hackers out there, they're all targeting the, the massive billion-dollar corporations, the Optuses, the Medibanks, they're not going to worry about me. But the reality is how, of how automated all of these attacks are is that they're not actually targeting you and they may not be targeting necessarily anyone. They're just doing a very broad sweep attack across every single email address they've ever harvested, which is tens of millions, and they just only need one or two people to actually click that link or scan the QR code or apply and mm. suddenly you know, it's become financially viable for them to keep doing it. Yeah, and we've seen recently, I mean, there was a good old, you know, back in 15, 20 years ago, you know, the, the scam emails did look scammy. They looked yeah. pretty dodgy, you know, logos that had spelling mistakes in them and, you know, were all pixelated and everything like that. But, I mean, some of the, the, the more current and recent um, scams, they they look bloody genuine, like they're... Yeah, absolutely. They're getting um, scarily close yeah. to looking genuine. And we used to think of a scam email being that it was the prince from a distant land yeah. <laughs> and he needed you to send him money so he could get yeah. out of the embassy to get over here and he'd give you millions of dollars. And now it's it's not that. It now they'll look like a, a legitimate service that you use. It looks like it's coming from Microsoft and it's a normal Microsoft SharePoint email or it's a QR code that you need to scan to go somewhere else, which we've been trained to use over COVID or... Yeah. They just sound genuinely human-like in their nature when they're using more tools to actually generate this text to become more and more convincing and persuasive than they ever have in the past. So the sophistication of even just a simple scam or phishing email has gone through the roof in the recent years and it's only going to keep getting more sophisticated yeah. because unfortunately as tools across the entire tech industry improve, cyber criminals are some of the first to adopt those early technologies. If people want to come along to this uh, seminar, it's on next Thursday, your data and you, I guess, what what are some of the stuff that you'll be running through and some of the stuff that people can uh, take away from this? We're going to be running through a bit of what the different types of threats are so that everyone's aware of them, what the resources are that they can lean on if they ever have an attack or if they want to learn more after the fact. The Australian government, for example, has quite a few with the Australian Cybersecurity Centre that you can look into. And we're going to go through some basic tips on data hygiene, data security, and understanding what actually is the important data that you want to be securing and not just keep everything locked in a vault, but actually what's the important stuff that you don't need, you don't want to let out there because that'll just lead to them leveraging and taking on and stealing more of your data as, as they get in. People can register on the uh, Tamworth Business Chamber website, tamworth.org.au. It is on next uh, Thursday night, October 19 at West from 5.30pm. Thanks to the team of the Tamworth Business Chamber, the New South Wales Government, of course, you guys at Toyme. Thank you so much for coming in, Mark. Appreciate it. Thanks, JB. Thanks for having me. 92.9 supports local, which is why our community calendar... That is Crazy Town at 18 past 8 right here at Tamworth's number one, 92.9. Mayor for Tamworth Regional Council, Russell Webb, joins me for a chat this Tuesday morning. How are you, Russell? Uh, good morning to you and good morning to the listeners out there on what is actually a very lovely day out there today. Yeah, lovely couple of days uh, we've had recently, which is beautiful. So and some nice days ahead and there's a little bit going on around the region as well. So we'll touch on all, all of that 
in a moment. Tonight's uh, Tamworth Regional Council meeting, uh, one of the big discussions at tonight's council is the uh, the draft drought management plan. Take us through that a little bit, if you would, Russell. Look, every uh, uh, every few years we have to review our, dra- our drought management plan and our demand management plans. Yep. And it's something that we need to do so that we keep up with everything that's going on. And, of course, there's always new technologies and new innovations coming uh, becoming available and becoming known and the new uh, draft drought management plan which has been out on public exhibition we've had quite a number of submissions mm. uh, tonight's uh, meeting will be about looking at uh, accepting that and adopting that yeah. plan it talks about a lot of things it talk of course it talks about uh, you know the different levels where we apply different water restrictions uh, we have effectively five uh, levels of water restrictions, one through to five, but we also have a permanent conservation message where we encourage people not to water after 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, but they can start watering again after four o'clock in the afternoon in their gardens and so forth. So that's a permanent uh, conservation measure. Uh, and then, of course, there's level one, two, three, four and five, which is five's emergency. Hope we never get there. Uh, but look, the weather's not looking that great at the mm-hmm. moment in terms of predicted rainfall, so we just have to be careful with what uh, what we're doing. The community, uh, some of the community don't understand that we actually don't control all of the water in Chaffee Dam. Uh, all of the water in Chaffee Dam is controlled by the New South Wales government through uh, through their government departments, the two government departments being New South Wales Water and the DPIE. So those water releases mm. are, are controlled by them. Mm. What we've got to be able to do is try and manage the water that uh, we're allocated and, yep. the mani- and the manage the water that, that we're given to use. So we're trying to manage that water in as sustainable way as we possibly can, and we do that through uh, what we're talking about in our drought management plan. It also looks at things like uh, not only using that good water that comes out of the Dungown Dam and Chaffee Dam, but you know, on our sporting fields and so forth, we've... Over the years, we've actually developed some good ball fields yep. in some of our parks and other areas. We're doing the same where we can. So we're using uh, groundwater to yep. water those fields and keep them alive and not using uh, the water that could be used for, for drinking water. Uh, we're also looking, of course, as everyone would know, that we're looking at trying to establish a facility uh, in our industrial area, a water purification plant. That water purification uh, will create industrial water that can be used just by the the businesses out there, not drinking water, yeah. but it can be water water used for industrial purposes. Uh, it's it's interesting to note that over the years of growth of our great city, uh, since the late nineties, mid to late nineties, we have not seen a a significant increase in in our use of potable water. It's surprising. Yeah, and right. People ask why. Yeah, because the town's growing very yeah. very well. Yeah, but I think it applies to the fact that. We, we're now using water so much more efficiently yeah. for the things that we're doing. Yeah. So about half of our water that we use in our city goes to industry. Yeah. And about 40% of that industrial water goes to the three abattoirs in town. Yeah. Um, of course, the other half of the water goes to, uh, is, is used by our urban community. But our urban community is using less and less per household. Uh, and that's because we've got the, all these new appliances they're putting in that are yeah. a lot more water efficient. They're being more careful about how they they water their gardens, and yeah. uh, you don't see the lawns being as watered as much as they used to be. Yeah. Uh, some people are using different grasses. There's a lot of astroturf going in in some yeah. places. 
there's just been a whole different focus on how people manage their water usage uh, at their residence. And that in effect across the whole of the region or the whole of the city and the, the water users in our, in our council area mm. has really had a big impact on the amount of water that we use. So, so. we've become very careful with that and I, I congratulate the community yeah. for the work that they've done in individually uh, reducing the amount of uh, pressure they put on our system. And, and hy- hi- sorry, hypothetically speaking, if, if the industrial water um, systems are, are passed, uh, you know, and the funding's given to you guys for that, that's going to take a huge amount of pressure off the off the, um, the the water you, you are allocated by Chaffee Dam then, I'd imagine. Oh, look, it'll make a big difference. Yeah. So, as I said, about 50% of the city's yep. uh, water usage goes to in- industry and about 40% of that goes to the three abattoirs. And that's the water we're talking about taking back yeah. uh, from those three abattoirs, talking about that purifying that back to a water uh, that can be used for washdowns and, and other yeah. things and other processes. It could also be used for watering of... Uh, I guess in the industrial areas, we could use some of that water for watering some of the, I guess some of the tree lines and so yep. forth out there, and the, and the landscaping areas. So it'll, it'll really make a big difference. And we're talking about ten or twelve megs a day, yeah, um, water that we'll be able to recycle back into the system. Yeah, uh, a great uh, a great idea, great initiative, something that's come about because we just haven't got enough capacity, yeah, uh, to provide those businesses out there into the future as they all grow. So it's something that we've had to do. We're speaking with the state government, of course, and the federal government about these funding opportunities. Yeah. But we're going to have to start moving on this very quickly. Uh, we need to get things in place. And a terribly expensive uh, uh, development cost around it. Yeah. Uh, we have to build brine ponds and, of course, the treatment plant itself, you know, probably $115 million. It's a lot of money. So we do need government help to get that off the ground. And the challenges we've been facing at the moment are that the legislation in New South Wales hmm. uh, is not, uh, hasn't kept up with technology and of course we just can't do what we want to do straight away until they amend some of those legislative response, uh, requirements so that we can actually use purified water or recycled water uh, in, in, those, hmm. in those places where we're talking about. It's, it's really interesting because everyone talks about recycling water and they're doing it here, there and everywhere but here in New South Wales uh, the legislation is so tough yeah. that we're really, at the moment, restricted on what we can and can't do. Yeah, right. And it's important too, I guess, <laughs> um, we must mention this is the first time this drought management plan's being reviewed after since the last drought uh, as well. So yeah, obviously, so what the resident, yes, and what the residents will now see is a, a lot of new signage going up around our uh, various communities talking about the manager plan and the signages will reflect what the various yeah. uh, levels are and where we are uh, a bit like those bushfire signs yes um, you know telling us where we're at but uh, that's that's something that's uh, very important to get that message out there they will see new signage over the the coming months and of course I think that's a good thing to do it, it they're nice and bright and yeah everybody keeps up to where we uh, you now where we are and we're watching the water very carefully but as I say we don't control the, yeah the, uh, the releases from Chaffee Dam, the government does that. Uh, we've just got to manage what we've been given. Yeah. And, of course, our argument at the moment is we want to have access to more water than we've had in the past uh, to give us more security for the future. Critical human needs is just so important to deal with that uh, first, and that's number one. I've just come back from a conference with the Murray-Darling Association 
in Murray Bridge. I was down there for a week at that conference and that was all about water yep. and all about water across the whole of the Murray-Darling Basin. Uh, we're only a small part of that, yep. but we're certainly a very important part of, part of it and I, uh, you know, we have to bang home all of the time that the northern part of the basin... Um, this is is a is an very important part of the Murray Darling Basin. Wonderfully, uh, wonderful news is that we're going to be hosting the next Murray Darling Association conference in Tamworth here next July. Oh, fantastic! So yeah, right, excellent. Our track. It'll be Brilliant. here in Tamworth. Yep. Yeah, we've put forward a submission. Yep. Um, and of course, we won the we won the day. Yep. So the next conference will be held in Tamworth here next July. So we'll bring people from the south up here, and they can see what happens up here. And, We've always seen to be going down there, but uh, yeah, so we've had a bit of a win there. <laughs> that's great. That's the, that's also a win of territory. Just quickly, take us through the special rate variations as well. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about this. Um, the uh, the guys at Tamworth Regional Council are putting on uh, a couple of uh, very important information sessions all about this because it is such a it's a huge um, a huge issue that uh, will affect all of us. Um, and it's it's an issue that, you know, we can't, you know, it's too hard to discuss on air in a five-minute radio chat because it is so over-encompassing uh, and is vital. So definitely get along to some of these information sessions. There's one on next uh, Tuesday, the 17th of October, 11.30 till 12.30 at the Tamworth Community Centre in the Heritage Room there. Um, so definitely vital to get along and uh, check out these information sessions. There's other ones as well. Um, you, you're going everywhere, which is great to see. Manila, Katingle, Moonbi, Bendemir, Baraba, Nundal, and there's a couple of webinars on as well for people that uh, can watch those online. Really important to get along to these ones, Russell? Look, it is really important, and there's a lot of talk out in the community. Uh, we've, uh, we've assessed our financial position, as every local government area in New South Wales has done. Yeah, uh, we've had a company called Morrison Lowe that uh, come in and, and has done a uh, independent assessment. Uh, most local government areas in New South Wales are now looking down the barrel of becoming financially uh, unsustainable. Yeah, uh, in in the next four or five years, and that's not a good thing. It's it's come about for a whole range of reasons. Uh, we've got to try and address that. Uh, what we want to do is go out and talk to our community about. How do they feel about a rate rise? And we've put forward a plan for a 36.3% over a couple of years. It sounds a lot of money, uh, and it is a lot of money, but what we've got to talk to the community about is this is what it'll look like if we can if we do apply a rate rise. This is what it will look like if we don't. Um, how do you feel about uh, the things that we need to do to try and keep our local government uh, financially sustainable we want our communities to stay growing and prosperous hmm. uh, what do we do what do we need to do to keep that happening what do we need to do to com keep our community happy what services uh, would our community be happy to to see go if we had to get rid of some and I don't think there'd be too many but in saying that uh, we want to go out and listen to the community so I would be encouraging everyone in the community out there and we're going to all areas to come along have a listen and have your say yeah exactly that's it hey russell i'm so sorry we're out of time but thank you so much for having a chat with me today i really appreciate it 
We'll put all the details about all those information sessions up on our website because it is so important for people to get out there. I mean, so often people say, oh, I didn't know about that or I wasn't aware of it or I wish I had my say about it. And often people don't realize that you guys at Council are actually open to listening to the community. So the more people can get along to these information sessions, the better. So we'll put all those details up on our Facebook page and website for people to get along to. And Russell, appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And we'll chat again in a fortnight. Thanks, JB. And I wish everyone out there a great day. Thank you. 8.31, local news next. 92.9 is helping out local cancer.